Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A little wobble here on the Northland Sports page. We'll have wobble next. Lavelli Neal III is with us. Talk some baseball stretch run. Twins seem to be poised for the playoffs again. In true Minnesota fashion, I remind everybody, mathematically, we are not there yet. But mathematically, we are in hour two of this show. We're into every show thanks to our great sponsors. Absolutely. The original Arola Architecture Studio, the group that kept us afloat throughout all these seven years, Arola Architecture Studio. Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Kraus Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza. The Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, and in Two Harbors. Downtown here with Blackwater and Tavern on the Hill, which is up by the colleges. Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike, Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai. So we are absolutely appreciative of all of our sponsors each and every week. And speaking of appreciation, I could not possibly have more when this guy takes time for us. Love chatting with Lavelli Neal III of the Star Tribune. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing very well. Doing very well. We are clinging to twin positivity because we already talked about the Vikings today, and I just don't want to be down in the dumps for the rest of my Saturday. But tell me a little bit more about uh, what you're seeing here from the Twins down the stretch, because, again, mathematically they're not there yet, but they have to be preparing for when they are and how they're going to handle the end of the season. Is that correct? Well, I mean, the magic number is, what, down to seven, seven I believe, yes. or something like that. Yeah, and uh, Cleveland's, what, eight games, seven games under five hundred. I just don't see them mounting any sort of uh, revival here to make the Twins uh, road any tougher. And the Twins have an incredibly easy schedule down the rest of the way here. So um, it, it's this is going to happen. Hopefully within a week from now, uh, when you guys sign on, you'll be talking about a team that's clinched the division title because it definitely could happen if a combination of Cleveland losses and Twins wins. So um, right now you're starting to see some jockeying, jockeying and some maneuvering in terms of how the playoff roster could look like. I think the thought Bailey Ober's returning yesterday was very interesting. Um, I think it's a lot that Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez are 1-2 in the postseason rotation. Could be some questions about the third spot. Could it be Joe Ryan? Could it be Kenta Maeda? Maeda has history pitching out of the bullpen. I tend to think that Ober and the Twins are kind of being careful with him because of the workload increase he's had. I think he's up to 150 innings, and he hasn't thrown that many in his career. Uh, in fact, it's like 40 innings more than his career high. So teams freak out when um, their young starters increase by more than 20% from one year to another. So they've been careful with Bailey, and I totally expect him to be in a rotation, some sort of long relief role uh, coming out of the bullpen and being effective. The Twins have had to restructure their bullpen um, just because of injuries and uh, the issues with Jorge Lopez, which led to him being traded to Miami, they really don't have uh, a, a reliable setup guy. And that's why you see someone like Louis Varley uh, coming in in short stints, throwing 98 miles an hour uh, in an audition to be in that role. Another person to watch for is Brock Stewart. Stewart is rehabbing, and he's been looking pretty good throwing 98 miles an hour. He's got lively stuff. He may have the best arm of any reliever, not named Johan Duran. 
And if he can get healthy, he can contribute as well. So, But they've had to kind of mix and match and fill in for some spots and some players who have not performed well or some players who have just broken down. Man. And I think the last couple of weeks of the season, uh, you're seeing how all this is going to uh, uh, play out. So I'm not mentioning one player because I'm, I'm guessing you're going to have a question about it. I'll tee it up for you. To go ahead and ask so we can get uh, get the Byron Buxton conversation over with. Well, I was going to say, you'll probably have to pitch to Dave for that, but I am going to piggyback off something you already said because you talked about what the rotation may or may not look like. The guest, he's also a sponsor that we had before you, was asking about who do we think the Twins are going to match up with. Do you think the Twins will set their rotation based on the opponent? Will, if it's Texas, Houston, Seattle, Toronto, matter at all? And who do they match up the best with in that cluster of teams battling for that last spot? I really think it, only, it would only matter if you had a left-hander who was at, at the talent level of Sonny or Pablo. Then you can look at the opposing lineup and figure out how to attack them. But because there's not a, a lefty of, of that caliber in the rotation, I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be Lopez, Paul, Gray. Um, with Gray to follow. Um, I wouldn't mind. I mean, it wouldn't bother me if they flip-flopped those guys. Um, you know, Sonny... The only more, only concern about Sonny is that it seems like he hits the wall in the sixth inning. Um, you know, all of a sudden he can't find the plate. And I know it's tough for him sometimes because he throws like six different pitches, but when he has those working, he, it's a pleasure to watch him throw. Um, I would go with Pablo Lopez. He's got the biggest arm. He's got the best changeup in the game. In this, in this era of, of uh, launch angle and bat speed and the exit velocity, you know, he's a great counterbalance to that with his arsenal. I would put I'll put Lopez up there. I wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if it's against Toronto or Seattle or Texas or whoever. Um, Lopez would be my guy. So then, two quick questions, Lavelle. Uh, One of them has to be Buxton. He asked right, for it. Right, right, right. My question about Buxton is not going to be a quick question. It's going to be what do we? Not just the playoffs, but how do we incorporate Buxton in the future? Because it doesn't seem like we know. And then, but the the first question I had about this playoff team is, what's the breakdown pitchers to hitters though in a three game series? Shouldn't it be different than what it is what it is normally throughout the season? Yeah, you'll have one more position player at least um, on that roster, and that opens up the door. Well, a healthy Byron Buxton can wedge his way wedge his way on that roster. Um, but you also have a guy like Andrew Stevenson, the 29 year old. I was just gonna say, is he gonna be the Gerard Dyson for the Twins this year? Just bring him in to run. I know. Well, him and Willie Castro gives Rocco, you know, a couple of speed options there to pinch run. Um, they both can play center, you know. Um, so uh, that could be a weapon for, for Rocco to utilize in the postseason. And you're going to want some flexibility on the back end in the, in that, of that, uh, that roster. Castro definitely could do that because he can play the infield as well as center. Stevenson can play around the outfield. Um, you know, if they need a lefty to come up and do some things, Stevenson definitely can do that. And it looks like he's not overmatched the plate. So he had a good year with the Saints, and he hasn't embarrassed himself up here. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But you just don't know where to go with Byron at this point. Um, it's been another lost season for him. It's really disappointing to see that because, you know, he's got so much talent and ability, and he just can't get traction, enough traction to stay in the lineup for an extended period of time so his skills could rise to the top. Um, but, you know, if I'm the Twins, I exhaust every avenue uh, about to have him in that mix, uh, but he's got to play the outfield. The Twins offense, you know, is being saved by the kids with Dwight Julian and Royce Lewis and Matt Walner and Kirilov and those guys. 
and that DH spot needs to be opened up for those guys to use. Uh, Buxton cannot clock down this batting order as a DH only. He's got to be able to play. So this cortisone shot is huge. Um, there is a cyst in that knee, which I t- I'm told that he can't do anything about. It's just something he's going to deal with. So from time to time, it may bug him. But there were some uh, exterior issues going on in that area that could be affected by cortisone. And so that's why he took the shot a week ago Sunday. Um, he, that, that medicine has had time now to work its way through the knee. So he should be at a point now where he can start running and getting games and, and do some things and improve that he's ready uh, to join the club. The Twins expect him to have an impact here. So, I mean, they're talking pretty positively. So they must really believe that the Corazon shot is going to work and it's going to be enough for Buxton to get on the field a little bit. But he's got to play the outfield. And I think it actually will help him offensively. I think he doesn't know what to do as a DH. Um, all he has to do is all he can do is worry about his bats and between the bats, and he can't go affect the game defensively with his legs like he normally does. So I think actually being a two-way player game uh, again could be a mental boost for him. So we've talked about starters, we've talked about position players. You've addressed the bullpen a little bit with Brock Stewart possibly coming back. If he does, what does it do to the makeup of this bullpen? Because Griffin Jacks is at a nightmare second half. We all owe an apology to Emilio Pagan. How do the innings set up if Brock Stewart's available? If Brock Stewart's available, he's pitching at least the seventh inning, maybe the eighth in some situations to set up for Duran. Um, he was that effective before he got injured, and he was a revelation. I don't know where I still am not sure how the Twins picked up this guy, but that arm is live. That stuff is nasty, and he throws with velocity. So, um, to me, he's a late inning bridge builder to Duran, and that's a, that's a position of need right now. If him and Varland can help block down those, those the back end of games. And here's the other thing too. We know what it's like in the postseason. All these managers go ballistic in the postseason. They got the bullpen up in the fourth inning, fifth inning, first time of trouble. You know, uh, they'll be bringing in flamethrowers in the, in the sixth inning to try to shut down teams. So they, they're going to need more than one guy with some velocity there in front of Durant. So if, if Stewart can combine with Barlin in those situations, heck, maybe a little Bailey Ober as well, uh, then they've got some options there to get to do games. Because I guarantee you, man, once these postseason games begin, these, these managers do not sit there and let someone try to wiggle their way out of trouble. They're going to the bullpen. No doubt about that. We're chatting with Lavelli Neal, the third of the Star Tribune, talking about the Twins' playoff push. Speaking of quicker moves during the postseason, we talked about it with pitching, but Rocco's done it all year with pinch hitters in the fifth, sixth, doesn't matter. With the roster flexibility and depth that they have, will he continue to do that, or will the postseason take on a different look offensively too? He probably will, and I hate it. I hate the pitch. I thought you might. I, I hate when they bring in another, when they switch hands with the pitcher. All of a sudden, he's got to turn the lineup over. He's done it sometimes in the third inning. It drives me nuts. How in the hell are these guys going to learn how to face lefties if, if they keep getting yanked when the lefties on the mound? So, um, and you may be stuck some t- in a situation in the postseason where Julian's got to face a nasty lefty because you're just out of options. So, and he will have very little uh, experience doing that. Um, I'm still, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm an old school get off my lawn guy, but. That's right. You're talking to two more of them. You're fine. You let the players play. All right. You let them play until you get to the seventh inning and then start making moves to win the game. Um, You know, before the seventh, just let it play out. Let people try to problem solve. Let people try to find their own angles to win. Let people try to find a way to generate offense or to make key pitches. 
But, you know, last three innings, time to win, close game. Then I'm going to the bullpen. Then I'm looking down my bench for a pinch hitter, and we're going to try to win this thing. But, man, this early pinch inning, it's just something I'm not comfortable with. Lavelle, we know what Twins Twitter can be like. You and I are immersed in it whether we want to be or not. When you look at people like Rocco, Falvey, Levine, etc. Yes, he means X. Yes, sorry, I didn't know how we could uh, actually verbalize that anymore. My apologies to Elon. But either way, when you look at Falvey, Levine, Rocco, they are some of the most polarizing figures in Minnesota sports, and there are several. When you look at just this season, with the way the kids are saving the season, and the way that Rocco's dealt with so many injuries, yet here they are about to win a division. Has this group overachieved, still underachieved, or just kind of achieved? Been exactly what we thought. I think it's closer to achieved. It just hasn't happened the way that people envisioned it because I think they envisioned Buxton and Correa being in the lineup, you know, for most of the season and having impacts on games. Uh, Correa's been horrible until like I think September. He's warmed up a little bit, and of course Buxton's been Buxton this year with the with the with the injuries and trying to save him from collisions in the outfield. And stuff like that. It just hasn't happened. I mean, the offense was so bad the first half of the season. And all of a sudden, Kirilov got healthy, was raking. Julian gets called up, breaks. Um, Lewis is now the Grand Slam man. You know, like I said, and Max Kepler turned into an MVP somehow. I tried to fire Max Kepler in June. We all did. I, we yeah. all did yeah. I, just, yeah, I was like, it's, it's done. Stick a fork in him. Mean, he's now got an OPS over 800, which means he really got hot because he was batting like 199 right. or something like that at one point. Um, so it's been interesting to see how the offense has evolved as the season's gone along. I still want James Rousen back as a hitting coach, right. but I have to give I have to give Popkins credit for you know figuring out a way and maybe just the talent. I mean, it's just they had the more the younger guys are the more talented players, and they could if they could be here for a long time. The Twins are going to have a reliable uh, run scoring unit here, um, but. I thought, you know, I remember writing during Twins Press, I said, this is not going to be the Bomber squad. It's going to be a team that's going to rely on pitching and defense. And it's pretty much played out that way um, with the starters going six innings and relatively deep. Um, they haven't had a lot of injuries to their starters. Uh, so, I mean, just a couple guys, but um, Tyler Malley. They've been able to stay away from several injuries to the rotation that um, – that would have been an issue. So, um, but I thought the offense would be a little more functional at the beginning of the year, and it was not. I mean, their 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 lack of success with runners uh, with the bases loaded. I mean, Royce Lewis wasn't here for that, but it was at the point where it was like a strategy for the for opposing opposing teams. Load the bases against the let the Twins load the bases against you because they're not right. getting a hit. You know. Um, so it was hard to watch, man. But now you, you look at you like, who's going to be exciting today? Is it going to be Julian? Is it going to be Kirilov? Is Wander going to hit another 460-foot homer? Is Lewis going to hit another grand slam? Now there's optimism when you watch this team hit. Absolutely. Completely different vibe around this team. Lavelle, one more question with my overachieve, underachieve theme. I want to look at baseball from a broad scope. Who's the most underachieving team in baseball this year? Because you look at it and it's weird because San Diego's got a great roster, great payroll. They're not very good. The Mets, same thing. They're not very good. The Yankees in Boston right now make up the American League East bottom. Who's underachieved the worst in baseball? And can the White Sox be on that list? Because they've quit. They're terrible. Again, they may lose 100 games. Well, I don't know. I mean, people thought the White Sox were going to you know, compete you know, maybe be a little more relevant in the division. You know, Steve Cohen had the Mets built to win a 
of World Series. Yes. I mean, their expectations were sky high, man. And I know it started early because Edwin Diaz, but he, he blonde his knee celebrating in the World Baseball Classic, right. something like that. You know, it, it started early with them, and they just fell apart. I just think with all the attention and all – and all the expectations that were heaped on the Mets, I would put them ahead of the Padres on the list of underachieving teams. I got to give Colin credit, though, because they moved Scherzer, they moved Verlander, agreed to pay a boatload of the salary, but just based on the financials, they actually saved a chunk of money because it brought them under the salary uh, the salary cap or the luxury tax threshold. So um, when he cut bait, he cut bait fast. I mean, they're going to try to you know restructure going forward here. But the, 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 the Padres are up there, too. Because uh, you, you you got Tatis and you got Machado and uh, you, you got uh, what's the guy's name that came from Washington? Not Robles. Soto. Yeah, was it Robles? No. Soto. Uh, Juan Soto. Yeah, and they got some other good players. They got you. other good infielders in that roster too, man. And um, they haven't gotten it done. But you know the Dodgers are a gold standard in the West, so you can't all make you say we're going to win the World Series when you got to go through L.A. So I would have the Mets as probably the biggest underachieving team. The White Sox would definitely be in the top maybe five or six teams in that category. Uh, the Yankees would be near, near the, the White Sox. I don't know what the expectations were with Boston going into the season. It could not have been that positive. So um, I'm actually not surprised they're at the bottom of the division. And and where do you put the Angels in that whole thing? You know, with that's That's still- such a crazy implosion of a franchise. I still thought they had holes in that lineup, though. I thought they had holes in that rotation. You know, I wasn't sold on the entire bull, the entirety of the bullpen. They had Otani, Rendon, Trout, and then Trout got injured for a chunk of the season, right? So, um, I, I just think, I didn't think that was a complete roster. So I, I kind of doubted their their chances of winning. Uh, I thought the Rangers were going to be relevant. I thought Seattle was going to be relevant, and they have been. Um, but I didn't think that. Uh, the Angels are ready to break through. And they got some tough, you know, and they're in a jam with Otani. I know people thought they should have traded him at the deadline, but what are you going to get for Otani? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be a, basically a rental player because he's going to go on a free agent market. So that affects what team's going to give up. So you're not going to get what, uh, you're not going to get adequate value for what Otani is. So they kind of were forced to kind of uh, sit and spin with him and maybe talk him into a $50 million a year extension. But unfortunately, he got hurt pitching. And uh, now we get to see just one side of Otani for the next several months, which is it's bad for baseball. Yeah. So they've been snake bit a little bit over there in, in uh, Anaheim as well. So um, it's too dis- it's just disappointing when one of your favorite players in baseball has you know been marginalized. I do have uh, two more Twins pitching questions, and it won't be that's the same question. It's the same one question, two guys, and it's not necessarily appropriate for the first round. But if they get to the second round. Chris Paddock, Dallas Keuchel. Are you putting them in the not in the rotation, but on the staff at all during the playoffs? I like Keuchel's ability to come in and get ground balls because um, he's going to be an outlier in this world of high velocity. You know, he's left-handed too, and he can. He's a, he's a crafty veteran who was one World Series, who's won a Cy Young. I like the pedigree there, so I would have no problems having him part of a of a, a pitching staff to go in the, in the, in the postseason. Paddock is coming off his second Tommy John surgery. And if you go look up the history of pitchers who have had two Tommy John surgeries, it's not good. <laughs> Their ability to come back is not good. It's already hard enough to come back from one Tommy John surgery, get the quality of stuff back, and get the command. The command is off, off, often the last thing to come back. When you have to do that twice, 
you know, it's just a bigger challenge. So I'm a little skeptical that Paddock is going to be at a place where he can contribute because I, I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't trust him to come off Tommy Johns and appear in late September to be a factor down the stretch and maybe into the postseason. I just think that's asking a lot of him right now. Mm-hmm. I think it would be as well. My final two questions for you can both be summarized in one word if you so choose. Number one, regardless of opponent, is this the year that the streak of playoff misery for the Twins does end, whether it's winning a game or winning a series, does it change? And do the Bears beat Tampa on Sunday? Um, I think the, the losing streak ends this year. I think they'll definitely win a game. They got the starting pitching to do it. Um, they got a bullpen with Duran to, to protect the lead in the ninth. I think they'll score enough runs. So, yes, the 18-game losing streak is over. So, uh, as far as Bears beating the Bucks, I was so devastated over their performance against the Packers. I'm not trusting them to do anything. You're going to tell me um, the, the, the Bears secondary is injured. Blackman's at corner. Chris Galvin's going to eat him up. Uh, Mike Evans has a five-inch height advantage on Tariq Stevenson. I'm not liking this. <laughs> Lavelle, you are the best. You almost sound like a Viking fan. Trust your team, none. But we trust the Twins, and we trust you. Thank you for the time again today. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Lavelle Neal the third of the Star Tribune. Talking Twins. Stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Northland Sports page. A little for the love of money as we're about to play buy or sell. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We're the Northland Sports page each and every Saturday from 10 to noon. Believe it or not, there are folks that pay money to be part of this show. Our great sponsors. Right. And they really are great sponsors. I'll start with the Blackwoods Group. They have their locations starting up on the hill at Tavern on the Hill. Uh, Blackwater's right downtown here. Uh, Two Harbors location right on the highway. Proctor's location right on the highway. And uh, London Road, uh, Avenue 45. Pretty close to the highway. I just wanted to keep your theme. Yeah, close enough to the highway, close enough to our house. It's the one I go to. It's the one you go to. Same, yes. Uh, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, Kohler Hyundai, Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Krauss Heating and Cooling, your carrier, carrier, uh, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, and Sammy's Pizza. Absolutely. Had a good bit of Sammy's Pizza last night up in the press box at Duluth East. Again, Cloquet over East in high school football last night. 17-16 to 16 in a great game, but I told you, win or lose, the greatest part of the game is halftime because Sammy's Pizza is more than willing <laughs> to bring us a bevy yep, of their product, yep. and we were caught on film doing that. There is a picture on social media that's circulating and it was really capturing the joy that we get in working those games together. But I said to you, it could be a perfect ad for Sammy's as well. Well, 100%. And, and then next week, I just have to, I'll be the photographer next week. I there can't, you go. I can't, right? But and you I'm can catch us part. basically engorging mm-hmm. on, on pizza. I'll take very, the slow very well. motion videos. So buy or sell, I would certainly buy a Sammy's pizza at any opportunity. But we're going to play buy or sell right now. How it works if you're new to the game, it goes like this. I'm going to give a statement for each of the four major leagues. And Dave Cook is going to chew his starburst into the microphone as I do that. If you agree with what I'm saying, you say buy and you tell me why. If you disagree with what I'm saying, you say sell and you tell me why. Dave Cook's responsibility is to give great takes on each, but of course to determine the order in which we play today. All right, so because of starting this weekend, let's start with the NHL. All right, so the NHL, with these two sports still being in the offseason, the NHL and the NBA were probably the hardest to come up with content for today. So luckily I spend way too much time on social media and that always helps. <laughs> So I saw on Twitter this week, or X if you prefer, I saw that one player that Bill Guerin has to be intrigued by, whether it's now or soon down the road, is Phil Kessel. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm talking to Gopher Bobo, number one with a bullet. Buy or sell that whether it's this year or next, 
Phil Kessel could be a fit and play for the Minnesota Wild. So the Wild are trying to play fast and physical. And there are two things that Phil will never be accused of, fast and physical. Now, if they're in a power play situation, he'd be a great addition on a power play because he knows what to do with the puck when he's in the offensive zone. But I just don't see it. They, they're financially strapped. He's not going to be free. They'd be better with their financial situation. They're better with Sammy Walker because they'll have to cut somebody right. to put Phil on. So you're selling. I am. And I'm selling as well for a lot of the reasons that you pointed out. Number one, every time we bring a veteran in, somebody squawks about you're blocking another young kid yep. from making that step. Yep. This would absolutely do that. The other thing for me, even though he hasn't done it yet, is Bill Guerin, to me, his mission is to make things different for the Wild, not be this first round and out annual occurrence. So if you want things to be different, I don't do anything with Phil Kessel because we already did it. His name was Thomas Vanek. Yeah, it truly was. And that's what we'd be looking at. Plus, the goal of the team is the following year because we got to get rid of the salary cap issues. And when that happens, then I think Garen has the flexibility to do things like add a specialist like Kessel. All right, so two cells on that one. Where are we going to next? Well, let's go to the NBA. All right, the NBA. Again, social media, thank you, because in the offseason, it's more difficult to find a lot of hot takes in the NBA world right now. But as far as the Timberwolves go, I saw a take on social media this week, and actually a very long article that supported it, that said currently Chris Finch is not on the hot seat. But if this season does not have great success, he will be. Buy or sell that notion. Um, New owners. And so I'll buy it because they're going to want to have a positive first step. Now, Chris Finch is kind of one of the guys they said, let's hire. Um, the thing about the Timberwolves is great success is such a broad statement. Right. Right. Is great success. We've been in the first the round four. two years in a row. That's great success yeah. for this fan base. Yeah. And so I think since the bar is so low that if they don't hit success, yeah, and he probably should be. If, if the Timberwolves are a 500 team with all the money that they're spending – he probably should be on the hot seat. I'm going to sell for now. The caveat would be if this season is not successful and say some other market is not successful as well. And there's a no brainer of a name that's available to be a coach because Alex Rodriguez and Mr. Laurie and company will go after a big name. And because Alex Rodriguez is part of it, we'll probably obtain it because given the Timberwolves reputation, you could say, you know, Doc Rivers, Casey Jones, Pat Riley could all be available mm-hmm. And the Timberwolves would go, hey, you want to come coach here? And they'd hang up the phone in a heartbeat. Right. But with Alex Rodriguez in the mix, your ability to obtain that big name might be there. As far as what happens on the court and if he should be on the hot seat, I'll say no because let's say it isn't successful. And let's say that the Gobert Towns Twin Towers idea fails again. Just like we've said with the Vikings, if this team fails, I don't think Kevin O'Connell should be on the hot seat, but Quasey's getting a little bit of heat. Why doesn't it work the same way for the Wolves? It should. Tim Connolly pulled the trigger on this. He'd be on the hot seat, not Chris Finch. Well, he's also uh, done some good things as far as filling out the back of the roster. Like, the Timberwolves are really deep. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons that... You know what the Timberwolves remind me of, if you want to compare it to another Minnesota sports team? The Twins. Because not one of them goes, wow, that's a superstar. Now I know Ant is and Towns kind of is. But you don't look at that team and go, wow, star-studded. But you do look at that team and go, not a huge drop-off if they have to go deeper. Right. They can go nine and not right. have too big of a drop-off. Right. Um, I just think that Finch has been at it longer. He has not. He, he's proven he can get the team to be good. This, he just needs to be better than good. And if he can't be better than good, yeah, he probably deserves the hot seat. That sounds like a Minnesota Timberwolves t-shirt. Just please be better than good. Right. See if they can ever get there right. again. The Kevin Garnett era is a long ways in the rearview mirror. 
All right, two down, two to go. What's next? Let's go with the Vikes. All right, so the NFL is actually not the Vikes today, but it's the New York Jets and their defense, which you had and handily beat me in our fantasy football league as a result. Their defense is going to be asked to do even more because Aaron Rodgers will not be there. For now, Zach Wilson will. Buy or sell, because Mr. Cook had the New York Jets winning the Super Bowl a week ago yeah, at this time. thank you, Aaron. Buy or sell that the New York Jets can still be a playoff team now that Aaron Rodgers will not be part of this regular season? Oh, that is that is a marvelous question. Thank you. Yes. I get um, the big money for those. So because of the conference that they're in, there's a lot of top feeders. There's a lot of bottom feeders. There's there's not a whole lot of in the, in the middle. And the Jets' defense is that good. The problem is if Zach Wilson soaked in – Five percent more from Aaron Rodgers. Yes, they're a playoff team. If the Zach Wilson from last year shows up, goodness gracious, you're gonna have to beat a lot of teams ten to three. Yeah, and I don't think they're gonna win very many games. To be honest with you, I know you could sit there and say, "Well, they just beat Buffalo, and Buffalo is supposed to be the cream of the crop in that division." Absolutely right. But there are some teams that you just have their number, and some yeah. players that just self destruct. And I told you, Josh Allen is on the fast track to being Kirk Cousins in a younger body right now, and he proved it on Monday night. The other piece of the equation is. They won't always be at home. They won't always be on Monday Night Football. You won't always have that extra energy to just kind of lean back yep. on. The other thing for me, I have to sell it because last week on our preview episode, I didn't have him in the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. I can't hardly put him in with Zach Wilson. Well, the thing about the thing about the Jets is they're the Sauce Gardner might be the only cornerback in the league who can play with Tyreek Hill, right? And so Miami's a team that should score on people all over the place. So the Jets are the team that can beat Miami. As long as Zach Wilson doesn't play like Zach Wilson last year. If he plays, right. again, 20% better, it's a playoff team. So we've got one left, and it's Major League Baseball, and it's really kind of a Pandora's box that I should have opened earlier because I've always wanted to discuss this with you, and I don't know why I waited until today. Buy or sell this, and it's really, really kind of a deep cut. The expectations for the statistic called quality start in baseball yeah. are too lenient because the statistics, for those that don't know, are six innings or more, three runs or less. I look at it as six innings, three runs is an ERA of four and a half. I can do that math. That's not that impressive. So obviously I'm going to buy that they're too lenient, but what's your take on that? Well, I think they're they're too lean. I think they always have been. But in today's day and age, a starting pitcher with a 4.0 ERA gets paid pretty well. Well, I'm going six innings is a lot. Yeah, exactly. And so today, I think, so if you really want to put your arms around it, I think the fact that this was a quality start 15 years ago and teams really are looking for quality starters, that's always been the target, right? Or it's been a target for 15 years. Right. The pitchers that are better than that, they make a lot of money. Um, the pitchers who are less than that are working in bullpens because that that low bar is the bar they've been trying they've been targeting, right? That's the bar they've been focused on. Make your starters better than a quality start. And so I, I think that that bar is too low, but I also think it is now the standard of how you grade a successful pitcher. It's not just a guide who did a who had an average start. Now it's a bar. Does that make sense? It does, but I have a difficult time in moving it. If I don't like the current one, what should it be, I guess, is the follow-up question. Because the reason that I did bring it up today, I remember it now because it happened earlier this week. Sonny Gray had a start against the Rays and wasn't very good. Only went four innings because his pitch count was astronomical, but only gave up one run. And Sonny Gray has been in the mix for the ERA crown in the American League. And Dick Bramer, you know, exclaimed, well, Sonny Gray's ERA just went down. 
Yes. Yes, it did. Four innings, one run will do that. Four innings, one run is nowhere near a quality start. But to me, six and three isn't either. So I have a hard time with this because I can say it's wrong now, but I have no idea what's right. Yeah, and starters have been so devalued. Starters are like running backs, right? They don't have to do as much. So they're devalued because they're worth. Um, and so maybe the fact that that quality start number is considered average, you don't change it at all anymore. It's not average. It's a success now. Um, and an average, is, you know, the thing is, is if pitchers pitched like Sonny Gray did, they're going to be eligible for the ERA title because they don't have enough innings. Right. So that's the, that's why that spot has to be considered your starting point. I'll give you one more as a bonus for baseball, only yeah. because we didn't ask Lavelle Neal III about this. We talked about what the playoff roster may look like. If healthy, buy or sell the Joey Gallows on it. Oof. Um, if he's on it, it's this first one where they get the extra hitter and he's that guy. Because he's the one swing guy and does play defense well at a number of spots. Yeah, the problem is the one swing guy hasn't been actually, actually hit something. Year. You can't just yeah. swing. Yeah, and, and Walner kind of does what he does uh, at, a, at a better clip. So I think if you're going to increase the number of hitters by one, like the first round, I think he might be, but he isn't in the other two. I would agree with that. That is our edition of Buy or Sell, bumping out with the houses rocking. Dave Cook, you're on your way to the Saints Scholastica home opener. I'll join you there after the show. I know as the public address guy for those games, you'll have the house rocking shortly. It's going to be fun. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Absolutely. I have one segment of fun left on the Northland Sports page. Vincey Glenn breaks down the Vikings. I just hope he doesn't beat down the Vikings. He loves to tell it like it is. The way it is, the Vikes are 0-2. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's the safety dance as we're back here on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme flying solo, at least in the studio. Dave Cook on his way to the Saints Scholastica home opener. I will join him right after the show. Again, kickoff comes your way at 1 o'clock at the facility formerly known as Public School Stadium. Hunting Stadium at Marv Hikenden Field. That's the site for St. Scholastica versus Crown College this afternoon. Talked about flying solo in the studio, but I don't have to on the air because the safety dance means that our favorite safety, Vincey Glenn, is here. Vincey, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Brian. I'm great, pal. Yeah, thank you very much for being so available on such short notice. I know when I was a big Vikings fan in the 90s, Vincey Glenn was a big deal to me and still is. I never dreamed that I could text late at night and say, hey, you want to do a segment together and you're ready on a moment's notice. Well, that's what safeties do. We got your back, pal. Absolutely. Last line of defense comes through. So let's break down the Vikings. It's been a tough two opening games. The key is to hang on to the football. Coaches will say that right away. The Vikings haven't done it. But is it that simple to the zone two start? No, it's not that simple, and you could kind of see why they're not winning. It's not that they're playing bad. It's that this is a totally different team. This is a totally different team. No more Adam Thielen, no more Dalvin Cooks. Uh, Defense is totally different. Uh, The defensive philosophy is totally different. And, man, that's hard. That's hard. And you got to remember in training camp, you're just like kind of going through the motions, like scrimmage and, you know, softly, seven on seven and things like that. And then when you turn it up in real time, things speed up and it's different. It's totally different. And I think they're just having a little trouble getting their feet. It's just that you don't have the time. Every game counts. It's not like you get 82 games. So uh, you could kind of look at them as waste opportunities. But at the same time, they're try- still trying to find their identity. That's absolutely correct. So I got to ask you this because you make great points and you made it throughout training camp when we spoke about, you know, these teams just aren't having enough reality thrown at them, not playing in the preseason, et cetera. Well, of course, the fan base 
now that we're 0-2, is talking about, well, that was the mistake. These guys should have been ready. These guys should have played. There's two theories to that. Number one, there's always the risk for catastrophic injury, although you've said the injury risk is higher when they don't play because the body's not ready. And then the other side of the coin is this. This team didn't use their regulars in the preseason a year ago. They won 13 times. So is that a winning take, or is it just talk to talk? It's uh, it's the players on the team. It's a different team than last year. I probably, if you look, there's probably at least 12 to 13, 15 new faces on that team. You know, and that's different. If you lose one starter, that's bad. If you lose two and three guys, man, that's a whole different makeup of a of of, of a unit. Right. But uh, also, I, I just I just believe they're not playing well when they need to. Uh, uh, the defense, I think, has always been kind of suspect the past few years because they've made so many changes, and it's hard to get to know guys on the back end. And um, and the D line, man, they're just not playing the normal Viking defense. You know, Viking normally use on defense, giving up 28 and, you know, those those kind of points a game. It's hard to win and score, even if you're, you know, your your offense is putting up 26. <laughs> it's just hard. I think you make a good point that way because when you look at it, it's kind of the more things change, the more they stay the same because the game is different than it was two, three decades ago. But at the same time, when you really dumb it down, it doesn't have to be that much different because the game is still, to me, one in the trenches. And in the trenches is where the Vikings are absolutely losing. The interior of the offensive line isn't good. The interior of the defensive line isn't good. If neither of those things get repaired, does it matter how good the passing game can be? How much speed is on this team? If you're soft in the middle, you're in a world of hurt, aren't you? Uh, absolutely. And what people don't really look at is defenses have caught up to the offenses now in the NFL as far as schematics and how do we defense these guys like that. And the number of deep balls is down. You got to be a quarterback and learn how to take your team down the field and win games and get in position. Teams are not just going to give up the deep ball. They're like, hey, you can catch the 15 yarders and stuff, but anything over 15 and you just letting the team move downfield, you, it was prevalent this weekend. Defensive backs are getting bigger. They're faster. They're, they're 6'2", you know, 210, things like that, 205. They know how to play and run with these guys. And and the the league has just changed. you got to. You can't just give up bombs. Look at Josh Allen. He struggled. Right. Mahomes struggled. It's, it's not just Cousins. It's the way the guys are defensive leagues. And these coordinators are good. And you give them time and let them go out and get the kind of players to run their schematics. It's, it's, it's going to be tough, and more injuries are going to happen to offensive guys and defenses, I tell you that. Speaking of injuries, though, the Vikings did endure one on the defensive side of the ball with Josh Metellus going down early in that game against Philadelphia, and Metellus plays the safety position, just as you did. Now, the Vikings drafted a safety with Quasi Adolfo Mensa's first-ever first-round pick in Lewis Seen. Had a devastating injury a year ago, still making his way back, it seems, but Again, Dave Cook has asked you, how can you tell when somebody just doesn't have what it takes? Because to me, the fact that the Vikings went with a practice squad safety who just had been elevated before putting Scene on the field in that game speaks volumes. Or is it just the fact that he's still coming back from injury? Man, when you get in talking about secondary, you can't point out individuals. You just can't. It's just too hard to say one guy's this, one guy's not doing this, he's practice squad. It's a collective. 
Harrison Smith is not the Harrison Smith of three years ago. Correct. Let's talk football. Yep. You know, and so nobody's talking about, I'm like, where's all these plays that he was making? He's not. You get a little older, man, the way you go through coordinators and different players, the way you play the game changes and you got to adapt. And when you're out there dealing with new guys on a day-to-day basis in the secondary, that is so hard. That is so hard. People don't understand the chemistry we had back there, myself, Carly, R.J. McMillan, and Ty Scott. And then within one year, they got rid of Ty, uh, R.J. McMillan and Carly. And it's like, whoa, man, I, don't, I know these guys, but I don't know them right. under the gun. And so you go through a whole metamorphosis in the process or trying to figure you, these guys out at the same, your defensive philosophy is different. They're trying to learn it. You're trying to learn it. And you're trying to be that leader. And it's more holes on the defense than just in the secondary. Man, it's a schematics thing, too. Until Floyd gets the kind of guys he wants to run his defense, he's going to struggle because guys are not going to be comfortable in certain situations. Absolutely. Speaking of comfort in situations, I know I'm asking a safety and offensive line question, but in the end, it's a football question. So the Vikings offensive line has plenty of issues. In fact, the bad pun is they have so many issues, they have the whole subscription. But at the same time, if you're struggling as an offensive line, particularly to protect your quarterback, to me, the answer would be to start to run the football more. The Minnesota Vikings in two games, I believe unofficially because I'm not looking at stats, Alexander Madison has 19 carries. Now, I know he's not Delvin Cook, but is it the drop-off from one player to the other, or is it a lack of commitment to even try to run? Uh, I'm going to tell you I'm gonna tell you something, and just remember I said this. Dalvin Cook was like a Barry Sanders. I don't care if you're on the one-yard line coming out. He can go 99 on you at any time, period. That's why Dalvin Cook got a lot of yards in games, because it'd be one carry, 35 yards. No, 47. <laughs> you know, he just bust loose on one play. That's a threat. When you don't have that threat anymore, they send the dogs after you. And Kirk Cousins is like Aaron Rodgers. He likes to hold the ball until he can get the ball downfield. He's not a 2.3-second kind of quarterback, drop back, let it go. So you got a line that's always playing on their heels, but everybody knows where to find Kirk Cousins in the middle of the pocket. Now, he has the greatest receiver in football. He does. So you would think Jefferson would get open a little quicker or they would put in some kind of routes where he can get the ball out of his hands or not. They're okay with Jefferson catching nine balls because he's going to get 15 of them thrown to him a game. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But you can't give up the easy ones. you got to make Kirk Cousins work. And so, therefore, when he works, he has to utilize other players on offense other than Jefferson because they could double-team him and he plays not open. Now he has to put his trust in other guys. He don't have a Thielen. He don't have a Dalvin Cook. It's different. He got a good tight end, but, you know, come see, come saw. Absolutely. It is absolutely different as well because the offensive line right now doesn't seem to have a strength. I just hope that, you know, run blocking could be better for them than pass blocking and they should commit to trying to run. But, again, if you can't block, you can't run either. Now I want to take a step back because it may seem like I'm focusing on the negative. And at 0-2, I mean, what else are you supposed to focus on? But it's two. There are 15 left. Mentally as a player, have you been on teams that have gotten off to slow starts? And how is the (laughs) mental fortitude of a team like that? Have I? And when I left Minnesota and went to uh, 
New York, we started off. Well, Monday Night Football, we played the Dallas Cowboys, and they spanked us like 35 to 7 or something. So a lot like Sunday game. Night this it, year, yeah. Yeah, Emmitt Smith on the first play of the game went 70 yards for a touchdown. So, yes, I've been in all those kind of – and it's tough, bro. It's tough because you have guys that don't want to panic, but you should panic. You ain't getting but 15 more tries. And you don't know what every game brings. You know, some guys are going to get injured trying to stay healthy. And you're not playing well and thinking you can just turn it on when you know the league is guys are out there are good. And winning in your division is so key. And you just don't know what it's going to be like. De- Detroit is a good, good football team. They are. Green Bay is a good football team. Chicago is suspect. But those are guys you got to beat just to guarantee you get to the playoff. But if you ain't beating them and they're playing well, you're going to have troubles. Well, and that's just it because I don't think anybody's surprised by the Philadelphia loss. I had it as a loss. I think most people did. But I think the fact they're 0-2 and not 1-1 has the panic button kind of pushed on. Last question because I have less than two minutes to go. At 0-2 versus 0-0 the last time you and I talked – where does this put your outlook for this team? Because that schedule certainly doesn't get easier. In fact, it gets much, much harder. Well, they're about to play a good San Diego Charger football team here real soon. And they need to win that game. They need to win at home. They, that's, that's where they have to win. Going on the road is tough already. And when you don't have a team that's winning at home and trying to go on the road, it gets even tougher. So I think they need to just settle down and – uh and, and try to limit the score defensively, not just let them gas you up front and keep playing uh, as well as they have in the secondary, and I think they'll be okay. And what does the offense need to fix? Do they just need to balance it out and run a little bit more, or is it as simple as, well, hey, this team doesn't turn it over, they score? Yeah. They don't have that kind of line, and they don't have Dalvin Cook, and then the league is not scared of Madison. I'm not saying he's a bad running back, but he doesn't fear the league like that. And Vikings are not committed to the run and haven't been for years. <laughs> they just had a good running back. That's fair. Vency, you are the best. This was fun, just you and me. Let's talk again soon. Anytime, pal. Appreciate you. All right. That's my guy, Vency Glenn. That is the Northland Sports page already for this week. Time flies when you're having fun. I suggest all of you fly out to the St. Scholastica home opener. They'll take on Crown College. Kickoff is at 1. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Dave Hoops. Thank you to Mike Heffernan. Thank you to Vency Glenn. Thank you, Lavelle E. Neal III. And thank you always, Dave Cook. Thank you, Northland. See you next weekend. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.